Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I woke up at about 6 a.m. and when I opened my eyes, the room was still pitch black, so there was no light entering my eyes at all. And that only lasted for a split second or so. When light did come into my eyes, the way I describe it is my right eye was seeing the room rotate in one direction, and my left eye was seeing the room rotate in the opposite direction, which made me feel incredibly ill. Once I was discharged from hospital, I actually had another event within a very short period of time, only a matter of days, and then was readmitted into the stroke ward up at Arrow Park Hospital here here in Wirral. And it was at that point when I described the symptoms that I was experiencing, which was significant neck pain as well, that they decided to conduct an MRI scan of my neck. And it was identified that I had a dissection of my artery. I've got a very good friendship base and an extremely close family. And all I would say is my stroke has brought people even closer together, if that was possible, uh, but it has. Don't be embarrassed by the effects of stroke. Embrace yourself and embrace the rest of your life because if you don't do that, the world can become a very dark place and it doesn't need to be. Hello, this is Stroke Stories and I'm Mark Goodyear. Lifestyle choices like an unhealthy diet, lack of regular exercise, excessive drinking and smoking do increase the likelihood of having a stroke. Stress also plays a huge factor in vulnerability to stroke. And even the healthiest of people can suffer as a result of overwork or not taking enough time to rest from our day-to-day lives. Our understanding of what causes a stroke is getting better. But survivors still find that there aren't always enough resources to help them when they're on the road to recovery. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear from Craig Pankhurst from the Wirral, who suffered a stroke at the age of 39. My primary focus was sports uh, and swimming in particular. Uh, I reached international level. And then once I stopped swimming, which was due to injury, I went on a graduate scheme with a global PLC and then moved into the world of kind of business and commerce. And then in the immediate time before my stroke, I was actually a business owner with two other founders and we were in the space of education and training. And Liverpool Football Club were were our largest client delivering training and development to, to their staff. So it was a very busy time. I married with two young girls. One at the time was age 12 and one was aged eight. So as you can imagine, as a family man and a business owner, life was quite frenetic and there wasn't much spare time to look after my physical or mental well-being. 
And I woke up at about 6 a.m. And when I opened my eyes, the room was still pitch black. So there was no light entering my eyes at all. And that only lasted for a split second or so. When light did come into my eyes, the way I describe it is my right eye was seeing the room rotate in one direction. And my left eye was seeing the room rotate in the opposite direction, which made me feel incredibly ill. I was suffering with a crushing migraine at the time. And when I tried to kind of give my wife a nudge to let her know that I wasn't feeling so good. She clearly saw that I wasn't well. I went to the bathroom after trying to stand up and that not being a particularly successful event as I collapsed on the floor. I went to the bathroom where I was I was pretty sick and then went back, crawled back to bed and then stayed in bed for a number of hours with this constant migraine sandwiched between uh, periods of vomiting in the ensuite. Now, we did all of the tests, the fast, for example, to see what it was I was struggling with. And I was under pressure at work. So I put my migraine and sickness down to stress from work, because actually, I didn't present as a classic stroke patient at all. So I, the test that we conducted, I raised both arms above my head, absolutely fine. So as I said, I didn't present as a classic stroke patient. So we didn't realize at the time that I was actually having a stroke. So I did the typical blokish response and say, I'll be fine. I just need to sleep it off. But ultimately, that wasn't the case. And a couple of days later, I did go to, to hospital where after a, a CT scan, They found a couple of areas of damage to my brain and then the following day conducted the MRI scan and that was where they identified that I'd had had a stroke. It seemed Craig was getting better, but he wasn't yet out of the woods. Once I was discharged from hospital, I actually had another event within a very short period of time, only a matter of days, and then was readmitted into the stroke ward up at Arrow Park Hospital here here in Wirral. And it was at that point when I described the symptoms that I was experiencing, which was significant neck pain as well, that they decided to conduct an MRI scan of my neck. And it was identified that I had a dissection of my artery. So it's understood that from that dissection, a blood clot formed and then moved to my brain. And that was that was the cause of my stroke. After the first stroke, I was in hospital for only four or five days or so before I was given early discharge. But then when I had the the second event, which I say was a you know only a matter of days later, I was in hospital then for just over a week and then discharged again. But because they identified the cause of my stroke, I'm now under the care of the Walton Centre at Liverpool, a specialist neurologist centre where I have my own neurologist and I'm just awaiting my appointment with my neurosurgeon them to decide what the best course of action is for my dissection. I think we're really lucky with the geography in which I had the stroke. Up here in the northwest, we seem to have a fantastic NHS provision, both in in the Wirral and across in Liverpool as well. So when I was discharged from hospital after the second event, I had physiotherapy. And because the effects that I have aren't necessarily significantly physical disabilities. My physiotherapy went very, very well. I did have occupational therapy. As I mentioned, I had my own business, so it was important for me to get back into my role as MD as quickly as possible. So the occupational therapist that I had was was superb and came to my house all my business. In the immediate aftermath of the stroke, probably three times a week, and then that tailored down over a two-month period to then being once a week and then once every couple of weeks. But the provision I had up here was was exceptional. Before his stroke, Craig had been working 16-hour days running his own business and returning to work 
proved to be a daunting prospect. I know that stress and kind of anxiety at work, we're going through a particularly challenging time, were probably, if not certainly, contributory factors to the reason for my stroke and the reason for the dissection. So going back into what was a quite a stressful working environment certainly made me anxious. But when you're a business owner, you have no option to do it. Ultimately, due to my experiences and my rehab and recovery, we made the decision as a board in September of last year that the best thing to do would be to pass the business on. So we we went through a process of liquidating it and then passing the contracts that we had to other trusted organizations who would then pick up those that were in training with, with my business. Emotionally, it was very, very difficult when you've worked incredibly hard. We only had the business for three years, but we'd scaled the business very, very quickly and won some prestige clients, which we were all incredibly proud of. So the emotional side of it was was very, very challenging. And it was the case for me is to say, well, kind of what next in this in this next phase of my life, I threw everything into my business, as did the other co-founders, both in terms of finance, but certainly time and effort. And to to make the decision that actually moving forward, the best thing for me personally was for us as a board to kind of park where the business was and, and pass over. It was a very difficult decision. One I look back on and reflect and realize it was actually the right decision. Um, so I'm glad that decision was made in the time it was made. Craig decided that he wanted to make an impact in another way, so set up his own charity for fellow survivors called A Stroke of Luck. I'm not very good at sitting still and relaxing, and my rehab and recovery, it was identified by my occupational therapist very, very quickly, that asking me to sit and rehab at home with kind of nothing to do wouldn't be a good thing for me. I've got quite an active mind. So... After speaking with my family, I decided I wanted to start a new venture, but I didn't want to get involved in the private sector anymore. I wanted to marry together the two areas of my life that I'm most passionate about, one being a stroke survivor, and the other, as I mentioned previously, sport was a major influence me on my formative years, and it was the degree route that I studied was sport and exercise sciences. Now, over the course of last summer and then leading into autumn, I spoke with a number of stroke survivors. And it was very, very evident to me that a lot of stroke survivors are not blessed with the NHS provision that I was lucky to experience. And when their NHS provision is over, it's kind of over to you for the rest of your life. So I thought, well, there's something as a person that has a naturally positive disposition for life, there's something that I'm certain that I can do marrying those two areas of life that I'm I'm really passionate about, so Survivor and Fitness. And that was where a charitable idea came into my mind. And that was where the concept of the charity that we're launching, A Stroke of Luck, kind of came to fruition was was last autumn. And we did our digital launch of A Stroke of Luck on the 1st of May this year. Essentially, it's marrying stroke survivors with people that can offer physical rehabilitation. So the way in which I describe this, we know that each stroke survivor has this finite NHS budget that sits above our heads. And that budget varies in size depending on your postcode, your age, uh, the severity of stroke, and a number of other variables. 
Now, when that NHS provision has stopped, as I say, it's kind of over to you for the rest of your life. So what we have set up to do is create, and we're in the process of building, a web platform where on one side of the web platform, a stroke survivor can register and create their own personal profile. A stroke of luck will be sending each survivor that registers on a stroke of luck videos and information on exercise and physical rehabilitation. The other side of the website are fitness professionals. They will register and they will create their own professional profiles. Now, very simply, the money that comes into the charity once this web platform has been built will be converted into credits, and these credits will sit in the digital bank accounts of stroke survivors. Stroke survivors can then spend their credits on fitness professionals, be it going into a gym environment and working with a fitness professional within a gym to support their physical rehabilitation, or if they're not at capacity to be able to go into a gym environment and they haven't got the confidence, they suffer with anxiety, or from a physical perspective, they're not ready yet to to go into a gym, a fitness professional will come into the home of a stroke survivor and support them with physical rehabilitation in the home. But it's all about supporting a survivor through a physical rehabilitation journey. Because we all know that if you're physically well, your mental and emotional well-being is improved as well. And what we're trying to do is shift mindset from a stroke survivor having this victim status across to survivor status because there is significant difference between those two. If you identify as a victim, ultimately that can lead to a lot of anxiety and depression. Whereas you, if you identify as a survivor, we hope the outlook on life will be a lot brighter for you. Craig's stroke threatened to put a complete halt on his life after all his hard work setting up his own business. But he didn't let it stop him, and he went straight back to the drawing board, building his own charity from scratch. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Craig reveals his positive attitude towards the impact of his stroke. I've always worn it as a bit of a badge of honour. I overcame the biggest challenge that life has presented to me so far and I won. So I don't see a reason to have a stigma attached to me that, you know what, I survived a stroke. So I, as I say, I see that as a real positive. And how the stroke affected the people around him. I feel that my relationships post-stroke have probably become even stronger than they were pre-stroke. And I know that's doesn't happen to everyone, but I'm fortunate. Mine have. Let's hear how Craig missed out on extra support from stroke charities. Unfortunately for me, and it's I don't think this is anything to do with the, the charities per se, but I fell through the administration gap between the NHS and the Stroke Association. So I think the Stroke Association do exceptional work. And I think the engagement they have with a number of survivors is superb. However, as I mentioned, I fell through an admin gap in that when I was discharged from hospital, I'm supposed to then engage with the Stroke Association or the Stroke Association is supposed to engage with each survivor to support them through the next 12 months of that phase of their recovery journey. Unfortunately for me, the information about me was not passed to the Stroke Association. So when I was discharged from the hospital, the Stroke Association weren't aware of me and the stroke that I'd had, and therefore I slipped through the net. So I didn't have any intervention from any charity once I was discharged from NHS services. 
it's difficult to say whether it's impacted me negatively. I actually look at it as it's impacted me positively because that was another kind of precursor for me to want to start something to support stroke survivors, hence a stroke of luck. So the absence of provision for me has actually been part of the reason that I've created something and this this charity, which hopefully moving forward will support an awful lot of survivors around their physical rehabilitation. So it's definitely had an impact, but I don't know whether it's been a negative impact. Hopefully it'll be a very positive impact for, you know, stroke survivors per se. I was always quite an emotional individual, but I've become a lot more emotional since I've had a stroke. I think my wife and my children would would attest to that. As I mentioned before, I've got a naturally positive disposition for life. So what I didn't do is become withdrawn from society because of my stroke. I've always worn it as a bit of a badge of honour. I overcame the biggest challenge that life has presented to me so far, and I won. So I don't see a reason to have a stigma attached to me that, you know what, I survived a stroke. So I, as I say, I see that as a real positive and it demonstrates to me that I'm, that I'm a strong individual and a survivor. And that's how I want all survivors to, to view their being is strong survivor status. Although Craig remains positive, his stroke has forced him to make changes to his day to day life. From my ability to do things with the family in the, in the very short term, it had a significant impact. So the effects that I suffer with post stroke, the most debilitating issue I have is neuro fatigue. So the way in which I live my life, and this is part of our charity's branding, is through a red, amber and green system. So when I'm in my green zone, as I am now, I can talk and I can walk and I'm pretty much the same Craig as I was pre-stroke. As I start to fatigue, I lurch then into my amber zone where my speech slows down, my thought process is slow and my left side becomes a little weaker. And as I speak, I may get my words in the wrong order within a sentence structure. And as I become even more fatigued and move into my red zone, I am unable to communicate either verbally or physically. I understand where I am, so I don't have a loss of consciousness or anything like that, but I'm just too fatigued to articulate either a physical gesture or a verbal response. Now, the way in which I've learned to manage my life is look at the activities that I do on a day-to-day basis and then rate them as red activities, amber activities, or green activities. An example of a red activity would be uh, if I go to the gym, my energy reserves are depleting more quickly than a green activity if I'm just sat reading at home. So I limit the number of red activities I do per day to ensure that I maintain the highest possible energy levels I can each and every day. So therefore that limits the amount of time I'm either in my amber or my red zone. But I've got used to that very, very quickly, as has my family. And it's, yeah, it's just a different way of living, but it's no better and no worse than a previous way of living. Craig's stroke has also had a positive impact on his relationships with friends and family. I've got a very good friendship base and an extremely close family. And all I would say is my stroke has brought people even closer together, if that was possible. Uh, But it has. We've created something within a stroke of luck called the A-Team. And we are very passionate about each survivor having a very, very strong support network around them to support them in their rehabilitation and recovery and their onward journey through life. Now, each A-team needs a captain and the survivor themselves needs to be the captain. And then the players that make up the A-team can be friends, it can be family, or it could be services like the NHS or other charities. And each individual service has a part to play within the A-team of the stroke survivor. Now, the reason we came up with that concept is because 
I truly believe that I've got a phenomenal A team around me. I've got brilliant family who have been incredibly supportive and the same for friends. And as I said earlier, the same from the provision I had from the NHS was incredible too. So I feel that my relationships post-stroke have probably become even stronger than they were pre-stroke. And I know that doesn't happen to everyone, but I'm fortunate. Mine have. My children are very, very open and kind of got the concept quite quickly. So the way I described it to them was, and, and they saw me while I was in stroke, I was in bed in the house. So they were both kind of very aware that, that dad wasn't very well. The way I describe it is I had a crushing headache. The room was spinning in all directions constantly, which caused me to feel incredibly ill. And I was very, very sick with it over that period of kind of 48 hours. I don't think I can put it in more simple terms than that. And I think that's quite easily understood by the children because they've suffered with headaches. Thankfully, nothing like I've I've suffered with, but they know what a headache is. They're both involved in sport quite heavily and train really hard at their sports. So they understand what it's like to push themselves to physical exhaustion and feel sick. They, they have an understanding and, a, and an empathy as to what I experience, but fortunately don't know exactly. But yeah, they, they're able to have a degree of understanding. The way I view me and the rest of my life is I kind of reset on the 28th of April last year. Craig had a life from birth up until the age of 39 and a bit. And then post-stroke, there's just a slightly different version of Craig. So everything kind of reset. There's new benchmarking. So what I learned to do very quickly is not compare post-stroke Craig with pre-stroke Craig, because I think that's incredibly unfair. And you always live life looking back thinking, I wish. Well, actually... I've got a new opportunity. My life was heading in one direction. I then had a stroke. So the journey that I was walking came to a dead end and I'm veered off into a, a new direction. And there's nobody that will tell me that the new path that I'm walking is worse than the original path that I was treading. In fact, in some areas, it's a heck of a lot better. You know, I mentioned I had a business before. Now I don't. All right, I've got the charity, but I'm able to work from home. I'm spending a significant amount more time with my family, which is wholly positive rather than just being kind of a slave to my job and a slave to the business and chained to the desk. Craig also has plans to improve his physical fitness. At my peak, I was training six hours a day. I had 4.9% body fat. I got into size 26 and 28-inch racing swimming trunks. I no longer look like that. I morphed into the ultimate sedentary male, kind of working 16 hours a day, not looking after my physical or mental well-being. So absolutely a goal I've got for kind of new Craig is to get a significant degree of physical wellness and physical health back. So I'm in the gym most days. My desire is to cut my weight down to being a an athlete again. I'll never be an elite athlete ever again, but I'd like to be as healthy as I possibly can. And that is a real goal for me and one that's a very achievable goal as well. So that's my passion. And then obviously watching, you know, my girls flourishing, whatever aspect of life they're focused on be it education or sports you know try and offer them every opportunity we can to to enable them to have a very fulfilled life and finally craig thinks that communication is a stroke survivor's greatest tool for any stroke survivor my advice is always communicate as best as you can with people around you and ask for help if you need help 
don't be embarrassed by the effects of stroke. Embrace yourself and embrace the rest of your life because if you don't do that, the world can become a very dark place and it doesn't need to be. So reach out, reach out to services, reach out to charities. If you need support, ask for it. And with regards to offering advice to those around stroke survivors, patience is a, is a real thing I would ask people to have because being a stroke survivor, it isn't easy. And some find it incredibly challenging to move to the acceptance stage of, of being a stroke survivor. So patience and time, allow the stroke survivor to get comfortable in their own skin again and support them through that recovery and rehabilitation journey without becoming frustrated. Greg is an immensely positive person and hopes to make a real impact on the lives of other stroke survivors through his work with his charity, A Stroke of Luck. If you'd like to learn more about stroke, then please just search Stroke Association online and for a dedicated webpage, search NHS Stroke. Please also remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and rate and comment on the episodes you hear because that really will help us spread the word. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.